For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is the Icons Club. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's the answer. I am Chris Ryan and I'm joined by Sirit Sohi. What's up, Sirit? Chris, I'm doing well. How's it going? I'm doing well. I'm refreshed because I had a couple weeks off, but now I'm melancholy because this will be our last answer for the NBA season officially. You know, we'll we'll go into like a summer hiatus. There's going to be plenty of Ringer NBA show. We got you covered. There will be like some version of the Ringer NBA show throughout the dog days of August, just in case Kevin Durant decides after viewing those satellite images of space, he wants to become an astronaut. And we we talk about you know, what, what's going on with him and what's next for him out in uh, the interstellar realm. But for the most part, everything is settled. Yeah, that seems like more of like a Kyrie Irving move to me. That's true. But, you know, he's very impressionable. <laughs> you know, maybe if Kyrie is like, want to go to space, KD will be like, absolutely. Actually, now that I think about it, Kyrie probably thinks they're fake anyways. It's like, That's this true. isn't real. Those are just mountains. But we had kind of like the last shoe to drop that we were waiting on for this summer. So it kind of officially ends the 2021-22 season, which now stretches on into eternity. But DeAndre Ayton, he had signed an offer sheet from the uh, Indiana Pacers and then almost immediately re-signed with the Phoenix Suns. So it's four years, $133 million. This was reported kind of as the Phoenix had always intended to do this. There's some chatter like, why did they let it get this far? What happened here? What's going on here? Can they mend everything? Aiton is now not available for a trade at least until, but for a year, I believe, um, which pretty much takes Phoenix out of the Kevin Durant sweepstakes to the extent that there are any. So, Sarah, I guess my question to you is what's the big takeaway from the Aiton re signing? Probably the Kevin Durant part of it. They offered, uh, they matched that offer sheet in record time in three minutes, uh, and they saved themselves probably about $5 million total over four years and uh don't have uh, a player who is going to be 27 when uh when he's off his next uh when, when he's done this contract locked up for that fifth year uh so great great job sons um this actually could have been so much worse for them than it was uh but i think the pacers made the offer to Aiden, assuming that they that he'd actually maybe be with them because like this contract is not horrible in the ways that a lot of restricted free agents uh, contracts are like there aren't you know there's like no, there's no player option there's no trade kicker there aren't like weird poison pills and stuff so kind of worked out for the Suns we'll see how it goes relationship wise for those guys but um yeah I think the biggest takeaway is Kevin Durant's path to Phoenix now becomes a lot more difficult and if you look at the odds for uh, where he's going to play next season. It's actually looking like the Nets. Uh, yeah. they had, the odds say that he's going to return. Um, our guys, uh, the Raptors, uh, are, are the next favorites, but it's a plus 550, so it's not exactly like it's favored that he's going to be there. I am. We're going to talk about things we're looking forward to today. Yes. I am not looking forward to this 
continuing, like us kicking the can down the road. Uh, we were also kicking the can down the road with Miles Turner, who is still a pacer somehow. <laughs> Eternally <laughs> <a> pacer. kicked. <laughs> yes, I know. It's, a, it's pretty incredible. So a whole lot of nothing has come from the Kevin Durant trade request at this point. It's been 16 days and we've just seen, you know, people playing with a trade machine. People like us, for the most part. That's that's really all that's come out of it, which I'm actually here for. It's good to have some content. <laughs> it's funny that you should say you have some like uh, fatigue when it comes to talking about like Durant, and we haven't mentioned Mitchell yet, but Donovan Mitchell also, obviously, and trade rumors I saw yesterday from various like pretty reputable jazz sourced people like Andy Larson, Tony Jones, just seeming like that's going to take a couple of weeks at least to kind of iron out all the details if it does indeed happen. Uh, I saw today Danny Ainge was trending, so I was like, "Oh, did something happen?" And, and it, in fact, nothing. It's just we're still we're still in the the deal zone. We can kick the can down the road on Danny Ainge's name being uh, being trending for for no reason as well, right? <laughs> That's right. Um, but it's almost like I feel like the the sort of like fatigue people have around major player transactions is almost similar to the way people are talking about like Marvel movies, where they acknowledge that it is like the reason to get up in the morning is to like talk about superhero movies and talk about the superhero industrial complex and what like the next movie is going to be. But nobody feels like that good about it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like the same thing for us. It's like we get up and we were, we're like, here's seven K- fake KD trades, but it seems like he might just be on the nets next season. And it seems like we might just run this all back. Honestly, I need to find better reasons to wake up in the morning at this point, especially since uh, it's <laughs> we're going to be going into August. But yeah, it's uh, it's weird. Like, you know, the Mitchell stuff is probably going to take a while. With KD, I kind of assumed it would take a while, even though at first it looked like things were moving pretty quickly. A lot of teams were seemingly getting involved. Um, the I think the bidding war the Nets were hoping for never really materialized. And... I think with a player like him, when you have four years left on his contract, like that is one of the advantages that you have is you don't necessarily have to trade him right away. I don't think his trade value is going anywhere. Like we've seen now, you know, like Bradley Beal, for example, the time to trade him would have been two years ago if, if the Wizards were going to trade him. Um, we've seen that with a few other guys. Um, and I think with Mitchell, we might see this too, where obviously Mitchell's a lot younger, but the more years that a guy has on his deal, like like how the Spurs did with uh, with Deontay Murray, trading him for a haul because he's still really young and you know you're not going to have to pay him right away is kind of like the advantage that the the Nets Nets find themselves into, even though they're very different players in very different situations. So I don't know. They they now seem to want to convince KD to come back and. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. Brooklyn is is actually a pretty good option for him. If they do do that, then all these like perceived dominoes that we see falling don't actually fall. Like I wonder if Kyrie Irving to the Lakers even happens. Then um, that's something that I think almost you know a week ago felt like a, a near inevitability. And maybe I don't know. Maybe Kyrie and KD are both back on the Nets. Yeah, I mean, I think that's entirely possible. I also think that it's like all this stuff is related, right? Like one thing can't happen without the assurance of another thing happening. So it, the most likely thing is that since you were, if you're going to require Kyrie having a deal to the Lakers, but that needs to be a three-teamer if they don't want to take Russ back, then you got to find another place for Russ. You got to find another situation for, you know, then you have to set up your Kevin Durant trade, which now like the main avenue to Phoenix has been shut down because there's no Aiton deal available. So maybe this all goes to January and and maybe, you know, there, there's a kind of a soft reset and let's see if we can get in the gym with Steve Nash and settle our differences. Did you see that Cam Thomas interview video of him kind of rolling his eyes when the interviewer asked him about Steve Thomas? I was like, there's just division in the camp, man. I don't know what's going on over there. Yeah, it is what it is. It's truly one of my favorite sayings in the universe. Uh, it is a total acceptance of reality that I think, you know, I, I think any like everybody should should strive to have. You can just apply it to t- so many different things. You can. Yeah. You can. I, th- I think a lot of people look at that as a cop-out. It is what it is, right? But I, I think it's just, you know, sometimes it really is what it is. And for the Pacers, it is what it is right now. Um, they are a team that I was going to put on our list of team of things that I'm looking forward to next season, but I almost hope that they don't make it. 
That they don't make your list? Well, that they don't end up being something that I enjoy watching in a way. You know what I... Okay, <laughs> let me reframe this. So you want the Pacers. You're, you're hoping that they're not interesting to you. Yes, I am, I'm hoping that they're a little too bad to be interesting. Okay. Because I really like the Pacers. I really like the Pacers. And one of the teams that is on my list is, uh, is Luka and, and the Mavericks. But only only one part of it. I really like. I'm really looking forward to the Luca Christian Wood pick and roll, which we will get into later. But the upshot for the Mavericks is that they have a really talented generational player, and they got too good too fast, and they never really figured out who to put put uh, next to him. You want the Pacers to pay, to pace themselves, basically. I do. I would. I basically basically yes. I would like to. I would like them to pace. Can, can I, I would like ask, to really go to snail space. Who is the generational player on the Pacers? They don't have it yet. Okay, there we go. Well, that's that's part of that's their whole problem. They have the number two, the number three. I really like Matherin. I really like Duarte. I, obviously Halliburton. I think. Matherin's going to be so good next to those guys. He's like awesome in space. He's a good cutter. He's smart. They're going to make plays for him. This house is completely ready to move in. It just doesn't have a floor, right? Pretty much. But what they do yeah. have is $32 million in cap space. And you know that, and you know how free agents are dying to go to Indiana, right? Um, and they still have Turner on the books too. So they basically, they have a ton of flexibility. I think... This is a team that's really never tanked before. And I think that like they came pretty close to not having to. I was thinking about them like, you know, before the Suns match the offer sheet where, okay, like you've got Halliburton, you've got Aiton, and you've got all this other young talent, and you didn't really have to lose a whole lot of games to get there. And that's really cool for team building. But at the same time, like those are also the guys that you can get at that level. So I'm I'm looking forward to to the Pacers not being good. Is that sincerely your first your first pick for what you're looking forward to next year? Because that it was, if so, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. It's it doesn't rank first, but you know I wasn't necessarily going to do this in in the order of things that I'm most excited about. You know what it talks? It speaks to it speaks to your you're so bleary eyed after this long season that now you're like you've like moved through galaxy brain to I'm excited to not be excited about a mid market team. That has a lot of cap space, but can't attract any talent. Yeah, pr- pretty much. That's that's where we're at. <laughs> that's where we're at. <laughs> I just see the writing on the wall sometimes, you know. I just don't. I don't want to see what could happen to the Mavericks happen happen to the Pacers. Well, let's start with the Mavericks then. So we, we, Sir and I, both have a couple of things that we're really looking forward to next season, and uh, we're just, you know, after coming out of the playoffs, after coming out of the finals, after coming out of the free agency and the draft. And I would say that largely, there's a lot of teams running it back this this next season. I've seen, you know, and, and there are people have been discussing this on on NBA Twitter a little bit, where it's just like there's a sentiment that whether because they got no buyers for what they were selling, or because they've decided that continuity is better than reshaping the entire team, you see a lot of teams who have added little pieces here and there, especially in the Eastern Conference, and are going to go run it back. Or in the case of, say, the Lakers, they just can't find anybody to take Russell Westbrook. So they're just going to run it back with like this new group of, of bench players. Let, let's start with, with, this, with this Dallas idea. Why is, why is that one of the things you're excited for next season? So the Mavericks, by and large, did not have a good offseason. Uh, they lost Jalen Brunson. It, it wouldn't be an offseason if the Mavericks weren't failing <laughs> at it, honestly. Um, they, they, they bungled the Brunson situation from the start, never really extended him, then never um, got anything back in a sign and trade. So nope. they just kind of they lost him for nothing, which is always the worst case scenario with a player like him. I get why they didn't want to pay him all of that. Um, like the, the Mavericks are kind of in a strange like LeBron James Cavalier situation where they never really found like the right number two. But at the same time, we could also look at this and say that they are having like a take a step back to potentially take a step forward later down the line type of season. I think 2024 is going to be like their, I think everything comes down to 2024 for them. They could have a bunch of cap space. I think then, you know, Luca, Luca will be in his supermax and probably closer to, to a place where, you know, he could start thinking about, saying some things and doing some things, which he hasn't really exactly done yet. Uh, he seems way more on the ilk of like the loyal, loyal superstar is going to let the Mavericks, you know, figure things out. You think so? I think so. Don't you think they check with him about the Porzingis trade or, you know, 
they they don't they don't chat a little bit about Brunson. You think all of that stuff just happens, and he's just like, okay, I guess I'm not the GM, right? Obviously, yeah. I think okay. there's like probably some level of input, but I would say relatively compared to let's say like a guy like LeBron James or Kevin Durant or or James Harden or really any of these a, a, any other superstar. I think Luca is probably like one of the more hands-off guys other than wanting to play with his buddy Goran Dragic, which, you know, like should, should have been a layup for the last three years for the Mavericks, but really they haven't really been able to make that happen, which, you know, doesn't give me a lot of confidence in their long-term plans, but on the floor, on the floor, we have one of the most exciting players in the NBA to watch the player probably that I will miss watching the most, um, this off season, Luka Doncic, and he finally has a pick and roll partner, worthy of his his playmaking expertise like the Mavericks for the last pretty much like for Luca's entire career they have not really been able to find the right front court mate to pair him with like uh, Przingis was not that guy uh he's just uh not really you know he's just not really physical enough uh to, to to get down there um and he doesn't really cut in space and he doesn't really seem to care to do much except for you know, pop for pop for jumpers. And they had like they have got Maxi Kleba and Dwight Powell, who are kind of each other's opposites, where like one of those guys can shoot and the other one rolls really well. But like with Christian Wood, you basically combine their skill sets and you add like 10, 10 inches of vertical and you make him younger. And he is going into a contract year. I think he's like poised to have a pretty awesome season. He's really, really versatile in a lot of different ways. You can post him up. He's a great cutter. Um, he's an awesome roller. He's an awesome shooter. He's genuinely versatile on the role in a way that like, you know, Chris Paul and Aiton were together where there was very little right. that you could do against them because they just have so many things in their repertoire. And I'm just so excited to see that one throughout the season. I'm excited to see that like, like on opening night, but I'm actually like the most excited to see it in March when they've had like, you know, five months together and they really understand how to play off of each other. Are you at all concerned by the, the reputation that precedes Christian Wood of people being like, we got to get this guy out of the locker room? Uh, not yet. It's not really like he's been in a lot of winning situations, you know, like, and, and he's also like individually improved pretty much every season that he's been in the league as well. I feel like he had a really great uh, final year with the Pistons. And then, you know, in Houston, it just kind of disappeared because like, that's what happens. Like Houston is now like sort of like the black hole of the NBA where if, uh, you know, if you're not, if you're not a first round pick and I don't mean like as like a picked as a first round pick, I don't mean, I mean like literally if you're not the asset, you just don't really kind of matter. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I've like definitely like put a little bit of a flag beside of it, beside it, but I'm not quite there yet. Okay. Uh, number one for me, not necessarily in order of excitement. Although, you know what? Honestly, I will say this is in order of excitement. Number one for me is I cannot wait to get Pelican pilled next season. I think that the Pels had like the equivalent, I think, of the Suns bubble run this season. So the and and in in this playoffs, I think showing what they could do in a postseason, I think showing what Brandon Ingram could do as a postseason offensive number one threat, uh, integrating CJ McCollum. And then maybe most importantly was the emergence of the Herb Joneses and the Jose Alvarado's and Trey Murphy's of the world where it's like, feels like there is this blossoming of talent of role players specifically on the Pelicans. And then you add on top of that, the relatively drama free Zion extension mm -hmm. All smiles, all high fives, all my guy Griff over here always believed in me. We always believed in Zion. His family wants to be here. New Orleans. Jazz coming out of every window. They really went on a, on a limb, by the way, in believing in Zion. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> you know, you got to play the hand you're dealt. And I feel like they, they played it relatively well here. So... I can't wait to see this. Now, I suppose if I wanted to be cynical, you could be like, is Zion, you know, is Zion going to fit into the basketball ecosystem that Willie Green has kind of designed here? And is Point Zion going to disrupt Brandon Ingram? And, and, you know, will Zion be more in the flow of this offense? But I feel like that's really concern trolling. Like, this is going to be a really exciting team that could have potentially three all stars, at least two with Zion and Ingram. And, 
I would be scared of them if I was a Western Conference team. This is an ascendant team. I think they have a lot of self-belief and I think they have a big chip on their shoulder about being kind of like kicked around the league for a few years here. And I'm really excited. I, I like I like who they drafted this season. I feel like they've they've kind of been rolling a little bit. And as have been as mentioned over the course of the last couple of weeks, whenever a superstar kind of comes up for for grabs and trades, they sure have a huge war chest of stuff to offer if anybody does kick loose. You know, if anybody is like available at the at the trade deadline and they want to either make a big move or a move that seems to bandage up any any uh, frailties that they have. So very, 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 very excited for New Orleans next season. Yeah, they are probably the team that I'm most poised to or to, to see a jump in. Like I don't really I don't really have a lot of questions. Like for for me, like the biggest one is just Zion. Um, you know, like with his health, we don't really know what's gonna happen. Um but if he can play, A, that's like the most exciting thing in the world because he's Zion Williamson. He's like just incredibly fun. He's a very unique player. And I love the way I love the way that everyone on that team fits together too. Um, like they have a lot of guys that can play different roles. Um, and Ingram's superstar turn too is gonna be one of the most exciting things for the Pelicans as well. Cause I think like when a guy has a poor performance like he did in the playoffs, I can kind of like roll over into the off season into like what they do yeah, and, you know, give them that little push that they need to say like, Oh wait, I actually do belong with like the top 10, top 15 players in the NBA. Like when I am firing on all cylinders, I am in that conversation. Like I had an unguardable playoff game, that type of stuff I think really matters. And it can give, I think it gives other guys around you confidence too. Like to your point, like these guys are feeling themselves and why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you, when you, when you just watch Brent, Brandon Ingram do what he did. And when you just like challenge Chris Paul, like if I'm, if I'm Jose Alvarado, like I think I am Chris Paul next season at this point. Right. Like that's, yeah. like that's, that's like the, the attitude you should have. And unlike the Suns, other than CJ, everybody on that team is getting, better as they as they um as they get older too right like they're super young so yeah i'm super excited for the for those guys let's keep it going down with like the the weird fun basketball players this is probably the thing that i'm most excited for um i was watching kenny lofton jr who is out of louisiana tech and this might not be an nba thing he, we might i might be watching some memphis hustle games next season kenny lofton jr out of louisiana tech is probably the biggest um, NBA player that I've seen actually be effective. Uh, he signed a two-way contract with, uh, with the, with the Grizzlies at an awesome summer league. And when you say big, I think some listeners might think taco fall big. You're not no, talking, no, no. About I'm it. talking, I'm talking bowling ball. I'm talking like, like you think Draymond green is unconventional. Like, come watch this guy, man. He is like, he is, he is six, seven, like two, I think 280 pounds. And is just like incredible off the dribble handoff, man. Like you do not want to see this guy faking a dribble handoff. Cause like he's got a head of steam. And if you're the, if you're the help defense, like it's like, it is pretty much just like, imagine Zion Williamson coming off a a dribble handoff fake and just barreling right into you. He's awesome with the angles. He knows how to finish over, over uh, bigger defenders. He played against Chet in uh, his summer league debut and was amazing against him played against uh Wembenyama in uh team USA and basically just like there was a play where he you know used his shoulder to create some space and Wemby fell back and then also was like holding onto his shoulder for for the for the rest of the next play. <laughs> like was, this dude is so fun so i'm very much looking forward to him but it, i'm overall just looking forward to the strange new iterations of basketball player that we are seeing now. I think uh, teams are drafting in a much more, I I think teams are drafting better than ever. And I think they're less obsessed with like your conventional ideas of what a basketball player looks like. Right. Like there is like the ideal, like, you know, six, six, nine. Memphis is especially unconcerned with that. (laughs) No, Memphis, idea. Does, Memphis does not care. Memphis was like, we're drafting Xavier Tillman now we're, and then we're going to, we're going to trade for, for David Roddy, who's kind of like a version of, of Kenny Lofton, who fits a little bit better into the NBA right now where you can actually see like directly how, how, how it would work for him. And he has like a very similar skill set to him as well. Um, and then they, they, they did 
did us one further and they, dra- they, they got Kenny Lofton and he's going to be awesome. The other, on the other side of that, there is the thunder and, and Chet and, and Poku who are on the opposite end of the spectrum, just like, you know, seven feet tall, seven, six wingspan and just not, not a lot of weight on, on their bodies, but you know, tons, tons of height. I'm super excited to see OKC. I think everyone is, it's probably like, they're probably on the top of my list just in terms of sheer curiosity. I think they might, I know, I know you're a little like, you've always been a little bit more on the side of like, when are we actually going to see what this team can look like beyond a hypothetical? And I think this might be the season that we see some of that. It obviously it depends a lot on what Chet actually is in the NBA, how easily his, uh, his, his lack of strength is exploited. And also on the other end, like, you know, we see, we've seen like these awesome KD fadeaways on uh, in summer league, like how much of that stuff does actually translate right away. I don't think it has to translate right away by any means, but this is by far to me, the most interesting experiment in the NBA. Like they take what the Raptors have done with wingspan and just, and like, you know, trying to create a bunch of deflections and, and sucking up space to an entirely different level because you go down the line on that team. Like you, if you like look at even, even Shay um, as well, like they have a lot of length and then they have like one of the most fun playmakers in the NBA and Josh Giddy as well. So I'm super excited to watch them play and just really excited for all of these strange sort of new NBA player species that we're seeing. Thunder Grizz is definitely going to be the nightmare alley of the NBA. It's just going to be like, come look at the wild world of wonders. <laughs> you know, the Grizz thing is really smart about about like they're just sort of casting aside the typical body type that people look for in NBA draft circles. I would also just really love a uh, like an all or nothing or a hard knocks with the Grizzlies heading into next season where we get like some behind the scenes like camp stuff with those guys. I saw, I heard Rosilla talking about being in the gym in Vegas with a bunch of people from the Grizzlies and just talking about how close that team is. I think it would be really cool to get a fly on the wall documentary with them. That needs to happen in the NBA in general. Like, I just started watching that Formula One show on Netflix. I'm extremely late to the game, but why doesn't every sport do that? Yeah, golf is doing it. So the golf has one coming. I think for Formula One... They kind of had less to lose because those drivers are so anonymous without it. You know, I mean, they're just these guys sitting inside these rocket ships, right? So you're not going to really get to, it's hard to get to know them. Um, mm-hmm. And this kind of opened up this whole new dimension and added this like soap operatic thing to them. But it'll be interesting to see how the golfers handle it because golfers are already like, it's just their personality on the course the entire time. So it, I don't know if it works for every sport. I, I would love it for basketball, though. It's just like, it's the same thing with like, why can't we as adults just click the button and get the the mic'd up that's real and not just, you know, not just Mike Buttonholzer being like, go ahead, rebound, transition, effort. <laughs> like, I want to hear the real talk, you know, just give it, put, yeah. put it in like a five year like waiting period so that nobody gets offended and then. And then we then we can we can actually hear what, like what what is Doc Rivers actually telling these guys? I want it live. I want it live. Well, we already have the soap opera aspect of the NBA. I don't really think the NBA has anything to lose by like putting their players out there more and getting actually honest about what's going on and like raising the stakes and the drama because there's plenty of drama. It's just like the problem is like oftentimes the drama is just annoying, right? And we don't get the actual player perspective, like the human perspective on why somebody would feel a particular way. So obviously it seems annoying because people are. You know, they're just acting out and we don't exactly understand like the ins and outs of what's going on. Do you think that if there was a drive to survive for the NBA, would that be considered old media or new media? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I guess it would traditionally be be associated with old media, right? Because it's not like the players would be producing it or anything. Yeah, yeah ex- documentary filmmaking is old yeah, as it gets. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, should, should get we should get we should get Ken Burns and yeah, we sh- it should be Ken Burns by the way doing it. <laughs> Ken Burns is Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> he's got like Peter Coyote just narrating. He's like John Morant. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man. I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. 
But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's 2 for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. The next thing that I'm really excited about, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but it's true, is the fuck them picks Timberwolves. Minnesota kind of going all in on the core that they have and giving them the best rim protector, I guess, in basketball. I say that as a Philadelphia fan, so it always makes like the hair on the back of my neck kind of go sideways when I have to say nice things about Rudy Gobert. But I think in sort of telling of the tale of this trade, because it's like dealer Danny fleeced the Timberwolves for a guy who's exiting like maybe his prime a little bit and got the entire bench plus every pick the Timberwolves ever had to, to trade Gobert it's kind of gotten distorted what he could do for this team and just how interesting the the sort of makeup of this team will be next season. And I, for one, am really fascinated by it. Like, I found their rise to be incredibly amusing, partially because you could tell that their self-belief way outpaced their actual ability. So Minnesota's reputation as shit-talkers and as uh, as a team that was pretty spiky on the court is really funny to me, and I don't think Gobert is going to dull that at all. And now they have a little bit of, of interior defense, and they have this like kind of presence in the middle. I don't know if it's going to work, but I love when teams try something like a Twin Towers and just try to like say, like, hey, fuck it. Like, we like this group of guys. I saw D'Angelo Russell talking about how bad he wants to sign an extension. I think that that extension should come with you under no circumstances or allowed to take any crunch time shots or your contract will be completely voided. But be that as it may, like Ann Edwards, another season of that, I can't wait. So I, I'm really, I'm really, really curious. This might be like what I would say is this would be a two week affair. Like I could see myself watching every Timberwolves game for about 10 days and then be like, I'm good. Wake me in the playoffs. But for now, you know, and of course, you, you, the, the most important thing on the Timberwolves is Jaden McDaniels. What's like your average affair time usually? Is it my average Timberwolves time? No, your average affair time. Yeah, like when does it? What, like when does the magic start to disappear? Like when does it start feeling like a Taylor Swift song? I'm actually funny you should ask. I'm a serial monogamist, <laughs> so it's like it's. I, I actually I, I, I'm an endurance runner when it comes nice. to that kind of stuff. Nice, happy for you, man. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm in conflict ab- about this one. You've, you've heard me talk about the Evan Mobley, Lori Mark and Hilo game enough to know that any Twin Towers configuration is going to pique my interest on some level. Uh, this one in particular, just it's, it's weird to me. First of all, Towns has never played the four in his career. You just signed this guy to a Supermax and now you're going to have like your best player playing out of position. That's... Interesting. Um, and not necessarily with a guy who helps anybody on offense, really. Like, it's not like Gobert's going to be sucking up space. At the end of the day, like, that's a guy that's going to be in the paint and probably forcing Cat to take more inefficient shots, probably going to, you know, not exactly grease the wheels on an Anthony Edwards pick, pick and roll game, right? Like, I am, I have a lot of questions about how this actually works on the court. 
but at the same time, like I am, I am really excited to see it just because it is so different. So I, you know what it is, is I also, I'm kind of into them not keeping their powder dry. I'm kind of into them not being like, let's stay, let's stay flexible. Let's like have some, let's keep our picks. Let's keep kind of like chipping away at this. Like, Sometimes being irresponsible is the most entertaining option. And, you know, you were talking about the Pacers earlier and all their cap room and everything. And it's like, what are, what are we talking about here, right? Like, nobody's going to Indiana. Like, I, I don't know that... I think Minneapolis, Minnesota is like a really cool city, but it's absolutely like uh, a frozen tundra for most of the year, especially during the basketball season. It's going to be really hard to get somebody to come play there. They had a very bad experience with Jimmy Butler, but like, it's nice that they're still trading for all-star caliber players. And they were feisty against the Grizzlies. I, I hope that they're like a solid playoff team for years to come, because I think that they're an entertaining one to watch. Well, they're, they're going to be really fun in the locker room and stuff, right? Like sure. that, that's, yeah. that's Speaking serious. of a, of a drive to survive, that would be good. That would be, I think D'Lo gets kind of a bit of a bad rep for like, you know, he's been on a lot of different teams and it hasn't really worked out. I think he's actually probably been like a reasonable stabilizing force for that locker room. I'm very curious to see how long the spice lasts with these guys, uh, because it's not exactly like they are, they don't, Carl Towns, for example, is not somebody to look look at and they say like, oh yeah, this guy is a big trash talker. So I'm curious to see how long that lasts. If they like, you know, hit a snag and, and, and like if, if things change. Uh, but the other thing that I'm looking forward to seeing is how Memphis deals with that. Uh, Memphis has not been like no one in Memphis has been able to stop talking since, since they got knocked out of the, the playoffs. And by no one, I mean, John Morant particularly, um, even, even the fake ball sack sports report that he thinks he could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one. There's a reason that that picked up steam. There's a reason that, that, that nobody exactly fact-checked that. Um, is that old media or new media, by the way? I was going to ask you is, so is the thing with ball sack sports that they willfully put out fake stories that seem like they could be real in hopes that people fall for it, quote unquote, like the way people fall for fake Woj tweets. And then they aggregate it and, and popularize it. Or is it that it's like the onion and it's so funny, it's true kind of thing, but not funny. There is this, there was that, this great Sports Illustrated feature on ball sack sports, like probably from like a week or two ago. And it's somewhere in the middle of that. I think the guy who created it was probably looking to be a little bit more like the onion, but it's really okay. ironic because the reason he created ball sack sports is because he wanted to shed a light on how easy it is for misinformation to spread in media. And he was on it. He was just very much, it seemed like he was at a loss. He was just like, I okay. called this thing ball sack sports. The acronym is literally BS. And by the way, it is called ball sack. And I just say the most ridiculous things on it that aren't true and can't be confirmed. And then he, then as, as he realized that people were, were, were aggregating and, and thinking the things that he was saying was, were real. He, um, up the ante more, you know, he would, he would get more and more ridiculous just in hopes that somebody would re- like the most people would realize that this is fake. And like, it was, it was in hopes of being a meta commentary type of thing, but it's kind of like trying to be sarcastic on the internet where nobody actually realizes that. And they think that you're, you're doing it seriously. So, um, kind of a demoralizing thing for society as a whole, very demoralizing for this guy. Personally, he shut down the account for a while and then, uh, kind of just brought it back. I, I don't know exactly when he brought it back, but, but, uh, you know, it's been going strong this off season. It doesn't really seem like it doesn't really seem like anybody's in on the joke yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad we're such an industrious country. You know, it really seems like we're putting our brains towards the, the right things. No, absolutely. But Memphis, you were saying, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to to see what happens with like this next iteration of the Grizzlies. Like, first of all, I think that they're going to have a target on their back this coming season. Um, like they have fully arrived and they have fully annoyed pretty much everybody in the NBA. Um, so I don't know. I'm I just I wonder what they look like next season. How they react to being this team. Um, obviously I think there's going to be a lot of growth just because of how young they are. And I think that the thing that could help them is like the fact that I, 
that they are just kind of naturally predisposed to be this way in a way that it seemed like the Timberwolves like isn't necessarily right. Like I think John right. Morant is always right. going to say what he's going to say, um, win or lose. And it's, I feel like people don't like that. Right. Um, like there's this idea of it's fun when you talk trash and act up and stuff when you're winning and that's fine. But if you've lost now, you kind of have to take a step back. And like one of the punishments for losing is you just kind of have to eat shit for a bit and either backtrack on things or just lay low. And these guys have not laid low at all. Like they're kind of just, you know, they're, they're getting it in, getting into it with the champs, which is, which is weird, right? Like this idea that like, well, now that you win a championship, no one's going to say anything to you. Right. But on the other end of it, there's also just like, Hey, like keep, keep the same energy. So I don't know. I like, will the Grizzlies keep the same energy? Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I need it so desperately to continue. We need this stuff in the NBA. I, I promise you, it's just a better, it's a better league when teams are like feisty with each other, when you actually can circle a date and be like, Ooh, Golden State's going to be in yeah. Memphis that night. Definitely not. No plans that night. Like how many, how many games in a regular season are you actually like, this is, I cannot miss this. Yeah. None. Like really? Like, I mean, you can be like, oh, individual matchup. I want to see Giannis versus KD, but like there's a 50% chance that one of them's not going to play. You know, like it's. No, it's, it's pretty much Warriors, Grizzlies and Thunder, Thunder Grizzlies for me. Right? That's right. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 uh, T Wolves versus the ghost of the Utah Jazz. That's basically it. That's a really good point. I so I I had I mentioned the Timberwolves. I mentioned the Pelicans. I'll say just for my sins, uh, I can't wait to watch the reunion of the 2018 Houston Rockets on the Philadelphia 76ers. That's um, a cool team building strategy. I actually think that the Sixers had a good offseason. I'm not trying to be churlish, but no, the Sixers did have a good offseason. They did have a good offseason. I know, but like it's one of those things where it's like. It, I don't know that I can even explain this, but Daniel House, PJ Tucker, in vacuums, really like like their games. With James Harden and the rumors of Eric Gordon or Patrick Beverly coming to Philly, it just is like, that was a team that I really, really disliked in Houston. So to watch them be reconstructed around Joel Embiid, I'm really putting a lot of stock on D'Anthony Melton. Let's just put that way. Like my emotional like availability is really like entirely concentrated on D'Anthony Melton, Maxi, and Joel. And I'm ready to love the Rockets, you know, and I'm sorry that I was ever like such a prick about them. But it is really funny that like this is the team that's sort of being formed again. I don't know. Like it's funny for you personally. It's like watching it's like w- watching a bunch of Avengers that you hate come together, you know? Yeah, like everybody that you kind of rooted against is now on your team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what if Thanos was like, "I will start the Avengers." <laughs> You're like, I didn't like these guys. <laughs> I think that you are going to love D'Anthony Melton throughout the entire course of the regular season. I think you're going to love the effort that he puts in on defense. He's super scrappy. Um, he's better defensively than he should be when you look at his uh, his makeup. You know, shout out Grizzlies once more and not re- not really caring about body type. And then I think the playoffs are going to come come around. And he's going to be a small guard that you know for, for the last few playoffs has never actually shot that well and wasn't wasn't awesome for Memphis last year either. Um, so just, you know, kind of, you know, I, you're, you're, you're well-versed, right? Like you've, you've been here before. My expectations are totally <laughs> tempered. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Well, you're going to get James Harden um, recently talked about how he needs to switch up his diet as he ages. So, you know, I think we talked about it before on the podcast. Did he say to no, what he, didn't. he was very vague about it. He was extremely vague. Um, so he wasn't like, he didn't say plant-based, right? N- no. But you know what? Plant-based, I don't know. Every every playoffs, plant-based diet seems to abandon Chris Paul. So it, it's like, I don't know if we're like, it's like, I, while it might be good for the environment and your body, I, I don't know if plant-based is a winner. Yeah. I mean, you got you got to have killer instinct, right? Yeah. So like, that's why you need to have like some kind of pescatarian right. at least like deal going on. I think that post-career, I encourage all, all these guys to go plant-based. But right now, maybe mix in a chicken thigh here yeah. and there just, just to be a winner. Just, yeah. <laughs> just to be a winner. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but you are going to get that. I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how, how that actually works out. Yeah. I saw him running up and uh running up and down steps in a, a video with like his trainer and a couple of his boys and he was like just fear in Vegas. Like the Rocky steps? No, it was like something like it was like on the roof of the wind or something. It was like doing some kind of like wind sprint thing and he looked really good. 
but uh, it's July, so it doesn't really matter. Um, the one other thing I wanted to mention that I was really looking forward to, we, we can we can end my segment with this, is just uh, the Detroit backcourt that I guess I'm going to nickname Caden, even though that's not... Caden sounds like a 15-year-old TikTok star. Like, it's Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. And I was super psyched that Ivey fell to them on draft night. I think this is a real thunder and lightning backcourt, which we haven't seen in a while with like, you have these two really electrifying playmaking guards, but who have very different speeds and very different like uh, player profiles. And I think they could be like electric together. I'm trying to remember the last time. I mean, I've been this excited about a young backcourt. It might've been like early Splash Brothers where you're like, ooh, like these guys have like this, these two really distinct playing styles um, that complement one another. So the Pistons might not be as good as they are in my head right now, but I really am looking forward to watching them. Yeah, I think they kind of, um, they did not fall, like what hopefully will not fall prey to the Mavericks issue. Maybe in large part because Cade was hurt for a, lar- a large part of the first part of the season and then took a little while to come on, allowed the Pistons to drop to fifth and you know, get also Jaden Ivy dropped to fifth too. I guess not necessarily dropped. I dropped from four to five. Um, and you know, I think, you know, there's so much luck in these things, right? This was a loaded draft, but it feels like if Ivy, who has been awesome in summer league is actually, you know, actually pans out, he could be a John Morant level of talent. You can never say that about a guy before he's played an NBA game. Um, but it's the perfect fit next to Cade, who is like more cerebral, a great, a great playmaker and also quite big. And Ivy's quite big and, and Stewart is quite big and Sadiq Bay is quite big. And they just got Jalen Duran, who's only 18 years old. He's already a giant and all these guys can leap out of the gym. I think they're just going to be really fun to watch. Like regardless of whether they're like a playoff team or a play in team, they have a ton of talent Yeah, and they have a lot of guys that are going to be able to explode out of the gym and just like get things going in transition. Like they, they might be my league pass favorite next season. And Dwayne Casey, by the way, what compared uh, Jalen Duran to uh, to Sean Kemp in a summer league interview. Holy the- shit! Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what's your what's your last thing that you're looking forward to? I'm looking forward to uh, the Warriors' title defense. I had this too, like kind of penciled in, and I'm glad you're saying this. Okay, why'd you have it? Because the same way that I said we need little rivalries like Warriors Grizzlies, I think for as much as I like the parody and for as much as I like the idea that any given year, any given team can win, there's something narratively hefty about, about a team defending its title, about the confidence that the Warriors seem to have right now, about the sort of bridge to, f- to the future thing going on with Kaminga, Moody, and, and Wiseman. Wise- I didn't see any of Wiseman's summer league stuff, but people seem to be pretty excited about it. And I'm just really... I'm really thrilled with with the idea of like a, a title defense from this team yeah there is something inherently badass about a title defense and yeah. i think the older you are as a team the more badass it gets and i don't know exactly what it is maybe it is the age and the fact that like then you know you win the title and you have a target on your back everybody wants to come for you and there's also like all this you know this stuff lurking like oh is 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 Draymond going to be able to hold up for another season like you know all these guys are getting older like you know or who's going to come for them and i think the warriors are particularly a team that actually really enjoys that like they they not necessarily that they like being doubted i think they they actually hate being doubted enough that it ends up being really great fuel for them. Um, right. The thing I'm probably looking forward to most, and it feels like a bit of a zag considering how much young talent they have. And that this is basically like a Jordan pool appreciation podcast. And I am very much excited for what he does next season, but I'm so excited for clay Thompson next season. Like so, so excited. I feel like he's got this huge chip on his shoulder. Um, like just dating back to not making like the NBA top 75 to then all this talk about like, well, is, he comes back and it's like, is he washed? Uh, is he like, you know, the old clay is gone and stuff. He turned a corner at some point, like in the middle of the finals. He seems like he found his legs on defense as well. Yeah. And I'm just so excited for him to have like a full healthy off season coming off of a title 
and like having a full regular season to get his legs back properly. I think we're going to see an awesome Clay Thompson year. And I think, I think we might actually see like the best Clay Thompson year. And yeah, like that's, that excites me because Clay Thompson is, is the best and they probably do need somebody to step up that way as well. Because like, you know, I think like Curry doing that for a regular season was not sustainable, right? Like he probably had his most up and down regular season. Like he kind of came out scintillating out of the gate. Um, and then, you know, had like the weirdest shooting slump ever. I think like if they stay healthy, they'll be more consistent and then the young guys too, right? Like who's going to kind of step up and, you know, fill the Gary Payton hole and, and fill the Andre Iguodala hole. Like they have a ton of guys that could potentially do it. And like just watching them in summer league, Kaminga and, and Wiseman off the roll, it's so fast and it's so explosive. And, and Moody's had a good summer league as well. Uh, Mac McClung, by the way, you know, like the Warriors just like, it just, it just keeps getting better. You know, the, the winning never stops. <laughs> they pick up, and they, the winning never stops. And, and they pick up Dante DiVincenzo. Like, it's just, it's like they, they, they made a lot of smart moves. You sound like you're like sitting on the top of the Salesforce building in San Francisco being like, the winning never stops. <laughs> I, th- I think that's like there's there's going to be like a mural in in San Francisco of of Joe Lacob doing that after like that you put the idea in somebody's head. I, I want to see if he can transfer it over to the Oakland A's if he buys the A's. Uh, so look, that's like a really good list. We've got some some new players coming into league. We've got some teams trying to prove themselves. We've got some Formula One style documentaries in production, and we've got a title defense from the Warriors. So there's a ton to look forward to next season. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. Obviously, you're going to be able to hear. Sir, especially over you know the next couple of weeks heading into uh, the fall, we'll have like a Ringer NBA show basically like once a week, and then also if news demands, because you know you never know when Kevin Durant might might explore the deep reaches of space and call it call a day on his NBA career. That could happen. Yeah, I uh, I spent a good chunk of time. I spent about an hour just staring at that image the, the one the the cliffs the, the one that they're calling the cosmic cliffs if you go yeah. to the nasa website and click on it you can zoom into like pretty much any part of it and then basically after geeking out over that i woke up today and i found out that the guy uh james webb that they named a telescope after was also a raging homophobe oh it's too which bad. is inc- inc- incredible to me because like how could you love space this much and also just give a shit about anything on earth as That's stupid right. as who as who fucks who come on man <laughs> james webb man thanks come for on. the telescope but 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 fix that uh so siri we'll, we'll sign off here chris thank you for producing us chris sutton was our producer on the answer this season we can't wait to talk to you guys next season and uh everybody have a great summer and Sirit will be with you. I'll probably be in and out. Um, you know, if the Sixers manage to um, hire Mike D'Antoni as an offensive coordinator and bring in Pat Beverly and Eric Gordon, I'll have my Rockets tattoo uh, done live on Twitch. So that would be cool. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.